Hello, everyone. I am so happy to welcome Janice Ho to the Coupley Relationship Advice Podcast. Janice is a therapist in training and the host of the wonderful Souls Work Podcast, where she shares her life experiences and resources on topics such as healing from trauma, addiction, connecting to our intuition, and improving our relationships. Janice is pretty special. She gets super open and vulnerable about her journey, and by doing so, she becomes an awesome guide and a friend to help us all improve our lives and become our authentic selves. Finally, Janice is a singer, traveler, farmer, editor, and we always have the best conversation. So Janice, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. Wow. Can you do that as a recording for my podcast intro, please? That was amazing. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here with you. <laughs> We've had Janice and I have done back to back conversations. So yesterday I was on Janice's podcast. Today mm -hmm. she's on the Coupley <laughs> podcast. Um, so yes. I'm glad I said, that you I here. said I'm nervous because I'm usually not the one in the hot seat. I'm usually the one grilling the other person, but I, I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Like we always have so much fun talking about these things. So yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. <laughs> so I really want to, and look, for the coupley audience, you guys are probably going to go and listen to a bunch of Janice's episodes and learn a lot of this, but Let's get into the story, Janice. How did you get into this space? I want to hear more about the background and really what led you to begin this journey. Mm, oh my gosh. Well, going all the way back to when I was quote unquote young, I am turning 41 this year. Don't let this fool you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So going back to when I was very young, I've always been so interested in quote-unquote self-development and self-improvement i love learning about people myself like why am i like this like what makes mm. people tick like i'm just very curious and i also struggled for many years with feelings of depression of mm. being dependent on alcohol to cope um feeling very alone in life and like I didn't belong anywhere, even on this planet. Mm. Um, I had very low self-esteem, low sense of self-worth. Um, when I was in high school, I, caught, I fought constantly with my mom. I didn't have a great relationship with my parents, my family for a while, and a lot of anxiety and fears in romantic relationships. And I mm. was in very toxic and codependent relationships for a very long time. And so that was all creating all sorts of turmoil and challenges in my life. And on top of that, a lot of sort of structural systemic challenges that were also impacting my mental, emotional, physical health, like housing and financial instability for many years, mm. um, racism, sexism, et cetera. And so counseling or therapy was something that I knew about because of my work in the criminal justice field. I, my first career, I was a researcher in that field. I did a master's of criminology and I worked for uh, nonprofits that worked with people who um, needed access to counseling services as part of their, you know, I guess, healing or path to improvement or getting on their feet or what have you. So that was very normalized for me. And because there were all of these structural barriers I had as well, I, I knew and still know that 
it's not the whole picture to just sit in a room with a therapist, do all this internal work on yourself. Like, for example, if I have a really unsafe housing situation and I'm in fight and flight mode like all the time because it's very stressful just to be in my own home, it's very difficult to find that peace and enough grounding to do that deeper trauma healing work. But when I did have the chance to access therapy myself, I knew that that was one avenue that could really help me in my path to more wellness, more mm. fulfillment in life, in trying to like navigate all of these really painful, intense feelings that I was often going through. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the story of a lot of my life, but it really wasn't until a few years ago, I would say just over five years ago when I really started to learn about trauma um, especially complex trauma and coming to the realization that that's something I had experienced a lot of. And it explained so much of why I still showed up the way I did in the present day, even though a lot of those things that happened in my past, how they were showing up in relationships. And the more that I dove into the trauma psychoeducation and learned more about it, related it to my life, the more I realized that I really in accessing therapy needed specifically to work with someone who understood about trauma and could help me in that particular way. And going down that road since then with my, she's still my current, or sorry, they are mm -hmm. still my current therapist to this day, doing a lot of other work outside of therapy as well. And now training to become a therapist um, has absolutely led to these really huge, deep transformative shifts, like the ones that I've been longing for for all of those years. Um, so yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at. <laughs> and, you know, you've documented this journey, like, pretty re recently, but it's been, it's, it's, it's amazing how transparent you've been. And like, mm. like I've already said, um, it's really, really cool how you've, how you've kind of been so open in sharing so many things that you've come through so many realizations that you have. Um, and I think like we've touched now a little bit on trauma, mm -hmm. both you and I have um, a background in kind of the nonprofit world. So for me, you studied um, the criminal side. I was on war studies. So I was on the conflict oh, side. Mm. And and like you, I know that like you worked with folks affected by, by that. And I worked with uh, young unaccom unaccompanied asylum seeking youth in the UK. Um, and and these kids were coming from war-torn countries mm -hmm. talk about coming uh, to a country with trauma wow like big this is like and I think the same with people who have been impacted by the who are in the criminal system mm. or, or also often affected by trauma and I think yeah we speak we sometimes we hear trauma being thrown around a lot Absolutely. and I think I've I've always had the 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 point of view that trauma is something massive that happens it is a it is when someone tries to kill you or you've been yeah. murdered or or like it yeah it's happened to these kids that we used to work with where they're hidden in the back of a truck for two months and mm -hmm. and are separated with their family and their family under attack like this is big 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 trauma yeah but the resources that you've been very kindly sharing with me <laughs> <laughs> um actually show that 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 there's a lot of nuance to this and i'd love to talk a little bit more about that yeah nuance the small t trauma maybe yeah, if we yeah. Call it. Mm -hmm. um and 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 some of the impact that that has 
Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because that was definitely my perception as well at the beginning. Like, I don't even think I even said, oh, I don't have trauma. Like, it just wasn't even a thought in my mind because especially back then a few years ago, you know, really when I thought about trauma, I would see images of like the war veterans or maybe people who experienced childhood abuse, like these Mm -hmm. things that are very, very like, you know, blatantly trauma and just as a reminder trauma is not about the event but it's our sort of like subjective experience of the event but these are the kinds of experiences that you know have a high likelihood of people experiencing trauma from them and as you said there is also this other kind of trauma so sometimes it is called big t trauma versus little t trauma sometimes also shock trauma or ptsd Mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder versus like complex trauma. So there's all of these different terms. Um, just wanted to name them in case uh, people hear them and are wondering, you know, they're they're all kind of related. So with the shock trauma, it is really often about a single incident that happens, a single traumatic event that's pretty like definable. It might be, um, you know, maybe that near murder, mm-hmm. right? It could be a really terrible car accident that we were in, maybe a natural disaster that we were experiencing. And the threat that we encounter there is about mortal threat. It's about like there is an imminent danger to like our safety, right? Um, by the way, I'm getting a lot of these things, these definitions from the book, one of the ones that I ref- you know, referenced to you, The Practical Guide for Healing Developmental Trauma um, by Lawrence Heller and Brad Kammer, because they do very nicely delineate between the two types and the different impacts. So with complex trauma, it is more about these maybe smaller ongoing like series of events, even though like a quote unquote small event might still feel like very impactful for us, right? But it's about like the chronicity of these things happening to us that we experience as traumatic that often go on over time that is what really impacts us. And one of the differences that the book explains between shock trauma and complex trauma is that where the shock trauma is about like this, this attack on our like imminent safety, it's a life and death kind of thing. The complex trauma is more of a threat to our sense of self, to our structure of self. And a really defining maybe characteristic of the impact is that there is often a shame and self-hatred that comes along with like the way we internalize complex trauma. Um, And and so then that makes a difference potentially to the healing approaches, whether we experience shock trauma or, or complex trauma, when we're looking at how do we heal that, there might be some parallels for sure, there's overlap, but there can also be different kinds of healing approaches that work better for one than the other. So, yeah. What are some examples of this complex trauma? Uh, just to bring mm-hmm. it to life. For yeah, folks yeah. So complex trauma, for example, and this is a very common one, especially in our society today, which is that maybe growing up, our parents gave us all of the material kind of things we needed. We never really like had a lack for good food and clothing, and we lived in a nice place. Uh, they made sure we had our extracurricular activities, all of these things, right? But when it came to 
holding space for our emotions. Right. When maybe we were in pain about something, emotional pain, and we cried and we, you know, just needed to be held. We did not receive that. And those things are such human core needs that we have and that are important in, in our development, right? Um, that I think is oftentimes lacking. And it's, you know, all of this conversation is always, I try to return to not to blame parents, right? Because oftentimes we just pass down what we learn, right? right. So it's more about like just becoming aware of perhaps this has been a pattern and how can we now maybe attend to some of these things that weren't given to us when we were younger that we don't want to keep passing down as well. And I mean, it leads naturally. What are some of the things that we can do to, 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 to <laughs> this stuff? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's so, I mean, I was going to say it's so complex, but like, <laughs> but I, I really mean that because with complex trauma, I feel that over time, it starts to bleed into so many things. Right. There is the impact on our sense of self, mm -hmm. our emotions, our ability to like, you know, as we call like self-regulation, right? Like our ability to manage when we have intense feelings and sensations coming up within us. There is the impact oftentimes on our physical health. Um, because if we are oftentimes in dysregulation and we haven't, we have all this like unresolved trauma that can often lead to certain physical illnesses. Um, it bleeds into our relationships, of course, right? And maybe the kinds of relationships we tend to get into that are very codependent or toxic or, or whatnot, right? Um, so there are all of these different, I feel like areas of our lives that complex trauma can impact. And therefore then in resolving that and healing that, I think it can often take a very holistic approach. For example, for me, also another aspect was the kinds of coping mechanisms that we might turn to mm -hmm. to deal with all of the things for me that was drinking right and that became mm. its own beast in and of itself when we're addicted you know addicted to a substance the things that it does to our neurochemistry and whatever like that like so i had to deal with that as its own thing right relationships learning to choose different relationships, unlearning all of the patterns. And we talked about this on my podcast yesterday yeah. of like unlearning all of the default responses that led me to continually be in those patterns with people who just continually like activated my trauma wounds, right? Um, and then a lot of the internal work um, that I've done through therapy <clears throat> and going back to this idea of there is a threat to the sense of self and the ways that we internalize things like complex trauma um, is often like telling ourselves that we are bad, right? Mm -hmm. That we are the ones to mm -hmm. blame for what is happening. That's where a lot of the shame comes in and the self-hatred. And as well, what happens is that we often tend to cut off certain parts of ourselves, right? Yeah. The parts of ourselves that we feel are perhaps like creating this unsafety. For example, anger is a huge one, right? So, you know, anger is such a valid, normal way to express when the environment is not meeting our needs, right? It's a way to say, my boundary is being crossed, I'm being violated, this is not okay. But a lot of times when young people express anger, they're met with like, yeah more anger they're met with punishment maybe they're met with don't 
don't be angry like mm-hmm. that wanting to placate that person and so for me <clears throat> that was the case i got punished a lot if i wanted to express anger and so i learned to cut off my anger and so in healing a lot of my work in therapy is to reconnect with those parts of myself that have been sort of like exiled or repressed and to bring that back so that I can be like my whole self so that I am not like compartmentalizing myself to only show up in one way that is going to like be pleasing to others or not mm-hmm. cause conflict or all of these things that I've learned I have to do in order to be in relationship and be okay, but to be able to bring these cut off parts of myself to hear them finally to give them a voice to cry a lot and grieve a lot because I find that a lot of the trauma healing work is about grieving these um, lost moments that we didn't get grieving like the care that we didn't receive. And yeah, I mean, I'll stop there. I could keep going. But that's so much about for me bringing myself back into wholeness. And you um, recommended me a book, which I have, which is, uh, I think it's No Bad Parts. Mm, um, yeah. Uh, and then this is around that internal fam- family systems. Uh, idea being that you have all of these parts inside you um, that you have been cutting off, not listening to, repressing. Um, and the idea is to get back in touch with them. Yeah. Uh, and What did it bring up for you? Like, did you kind of notice like oh yeah been cutting off that part (laughs) i'm i'm definitely still working through it and i'm still i'm still really trying to think about this like changing my mind around how i view this because i still i've still come to it from this thing where i was like well like these the people that i worked with at the beginning of my career right how can i compare anything in my life to what they've gone through and right. they went through such horrific things. Um, not just that, but going to like a really rough school in London and seeing my friend's family situation and comparing it to my own and always yeah. being like, thank God my family is like this. I've got such supportive family, such good siblings, you know, like such a, a safe household. Um, yeah. And my friends didn't have that. Like certain people that I went around their house and it was trashed, you know, parents, alcoholics, like it's an unsafe environment. Um, And And yet you still went through something. Yeah, I I, I guess I'm I'm still, (laughs) there's still more work for me to do here, Janice. Mm, Still got to, mm. still got to uncover it. But there are times when I, when I think like times when I was really scared at school Mm. And I like specifically, I feel like my, my, my early childhood was really idyllic. Then it got shattered when I went, when I went mm. to secondary school, so yeah, I went to this yeah. really rough secondary school. So it was like idyllic, boom. Oh right. my goodness. The world is terrifying. What yeah. am I doing here? Um, massive culture shock and uh, like learning to adapt to that environment. And yeah, there's probably now i'm talking about it uh, i think i've just been thinking about it i haven't been talking mm. about it but as i'm talking about it there are probably like um things that we saw things that i learned that I had to unlearn um and definitely a lot of feeling scared so that was that those yeah. are the things that i've been like thinking about mm. um mm-hmm. but i i 
I'm I'm not to the point where I'm like feeling other parts of me bubble up yeah. and being like, oh, hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, though. Thank you for sharing because it's also a good reminder for me and to everyone that it's not always just about what happens in the family or when we're children. I mean, so much does happen there, mm. right? That can also set us up for what happens afterwards, how we react and respond, and how resilient we are to things that happen afterwards. But you know, development, complex trauma is not just about what happens with our parents, but what can happen when we go out into the quote unquote world where, you know, structurally, systemically, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, culturally, like all of those things are still our environment. And you can't even really separate that from the family anyways. Like it is Mm -hmm. all very much like intertwined, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we can have you know, as you're saying, like a very positive, relatively safe kind of experience in the child at home. And then maybe we go out there and, you know, we have a different kind of experience with our safety. As you said, you felt a lot of fear, or maybe we get into a relationship when we start to date or whatever, that it's like, suddenly we are experiencing a lot of relational trauma there. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there are so many other forces outside of just what happens with our parents or caregivers yeah. that are it, so important it, it it's it's interesting though the other thing that a nice um uh, an interesting revelation that i had right uh listening listening to um the author of uh, no bad parts and i've completely uh, forgotten his oh, name richard was, schwartz yeah yes mm-hmm. okay so i was listening to him uh give a presentation and he talked about like things that actually you might not have remembered that that might have that yes. might bleed into your um adult life and I'm always thinking like doesn't make sense that I do have a bit of anxious attachment style like I've mm. been I've had such a secure foundation childhood like why would that why would I have that and my mm. brother has just had his first um child so we finally got a grandkid in the family my parents are hyped up and my brother was saying like this this is what it must have been like for Tim being the first born all this attention everyone doting on you mm. like everyone is just obsessed with you oh, wow. and my parents are like no are you joking but we were we were in our early 20s we were broke we had to put mm. both of us to work we had to put tim tim in like random child minders oh. off the grandparents house like here there everywhere he was just dumped on different people all the time wow I was like, wow. oh my god that, wow that just felt like whoosh, like yeah I was like, huh? They're like, he just had to get on with it. We always were <laughs> giving him to random people. I was like, well, there you go. Maybe I there was There you left. go. <laughs> my siblings have always been like, oh, the oldest. Like, you had it easy. No, I didn't. Thank oh you. Oh, my gosh. Like, how did it feel to hear that? Like, that feels like such yeah. a revelation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, like, I, I knew that as well that I spoke French when I was younger because my grandmother's first language French mm. and so I, I was like oh yeah I do remember I do vaguely have these memories of being in different places like deep 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 memories of like mm. answering the door and being like thank mm. god and I also remember growing up as well absolutely losing my mind yeah. when my parents would go out for the evening and like playing up I was the one that would mm. play up so yeah there you go mm. maybe it maybe this is it <laughs> <laughs> we're uncovering my trauma oh okay. the exploration begins <laughs> yeah 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 wow so how has like uncovering this doing mm-hmm. this work tending to these wounds how's mm-hmm. that helped reshape you or impacted uh, you gosh in so so many ways so 
I think um, for me, one really big learning um, that I then integrated into the way that I proceeded in my healing process was that I was really missing this part of involving my body in that healing process. And when I say body, I mean my body's internal experience. So what what sensations am I feeling inside as I am maybe being activated, right? Um, noticing that I've suddenly like constricted, what, what we call bracing in the field um, versus like, oh, actually I feel the sense of expansiveness and flow in my body, really, getting to like get super attuned to what is happening inside of me as sort of like clues in a way as to what's actually happening here what am i reacting to um that has been really i can't even tell you because it's so much tied to i would call that my intuition really Mm -hmm. and i think when i lead from a place of intuition i get so many of the answers as to like hmm, am I really, like, how am I feeling about this particular relational dynamic? You know, bringing Mm -hmm. it back to relationships, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, What is this feeling of, like, unsettledness or activation or unsafety that I'm feeling with this person? And to learn, oh, this is, like, next level, but to discern, even though I'm feeling a bit of emergency mode right now, how much of that is touching into an old wound of mine? And this is just like a trauma response and or that there is really like a need present for me here to, for example, walk away or to assert a boundary or to just have a conversation about like, hey, I'm feeling really off about this. Like, can we talk about it? Right. And so and then also sometimes because when someone goes through a lot of trauma, for me, I was in hypervigilance mode all the time. So mm. it's kind of like anything could be perceived as a threat, like very easily, that sort of hyperactivation. And so learning that when I'm in a situation that once upon a time I might have seen as unsafe, maybe I'm just literally trying to connect with someone, but that vulnerability that's involved is like very mm. hard for me to like stay with, that I can learn to kind of like take that pause come down in my body to know that i'm actually safe with this person so that i don't miss out on a chance of like connection right Mm -hmm. and deepening intimacy and proving myself wrong that like i'm not alone that i do belong so i mean so much more i can say about the body i've talked about this a lot on my podcast but really coming back into my body and especially moving away from this idea that it's all about our minds and what we think and i do i get on my soapbox a lot about this you might know this tim but like i just get really frustrated by like the so-called wellness world and Mm -hmm. this very dominant message of like just think positively or shift the way your mindset works and you know tell yourself all of these positive things and it's like when i learned about the trauma psychoeducation and how much more nuanced it is and how much more the body really plays a huge influence when it comes to things like complex trauma and developmental trauma. Tim, I was pissed. Like I was actually like mad and I get mad still because it's like I was missing all of this valuable information Mm -hmm. about how I could approach my healing, right? I was just trying to think my way out of things. And when it didn't work, I felt shame because I wasn't like quote unquote doing it right. So I would say that shifting to this 
body-based approach, like, and combining the two, body and mind relationship has really impacted me to take a more holistic and effective approach. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you talk about this sort of wheel, maybe it's not a wheel, but this, this, this idea of this tree where it's like, okay, I feel something in my body. What's that feeling? I'm going to now think about it. And you branch off because a lot of people say, I don't feel good about something. They take it to their mind. They're like, it's my partner's fault. And then they will (laughs) (laughs) blow up at their partner. Right. So many of my early relationships and so many of the problems from the folks that we speak to on Coupley, they feel something's off and they think, well, I can't have done anything wrong. I know I haven't done anything wrong. Therefore, this is all my partner's fault. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. And hey, sometimes it is your partner's fault sometimes (laughs) right they've yeah they've they've touched a they've touched a wound uh sometimes it is something that you need to think about because it's actually in you Mm. it's not it's kind of hard to say that it's not popular to say that be like oh you might be the problem yeah but taking these feelings is still valid your feelings are still valid you take them up to your mind and then we can start looking at them what is the process that you do yeah. with that? So you, mm, you're feeling uncomfortable mm-hmm. about something. Yes. You, you're taking you're taking it up, and now you're thinking, how, how do you do this? Because I've got my uh, I've got my way of doing yeah. this, and I'm really curious to hear how you do it, and so we can give our audience. I love that you're bringing this up and implying it into relationships because that is ultimately so much of what this work is about mm. and has been about for me. And what you just described related to what I was saying about discerning between those different mm. things when you're feeling the sensation and the default before would have been just to like go at your partner at it. Cause it's like, yeah. I feel like shit, you've done something to hurt me like, this is your yeah. problem. So as an example, like I've been working a lot through discerning between my anger that's like very grounded And again, as I said, anger is often a sign of our boundaries. And maybe my partner did do Mm -hmm. something, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. wrong or that crossed something for me. And that between like what I call rage, like my rage. um, I often think about it as my rage monster when I do internal family systems therapy work. That rage part is called my rage monster. It looks like this crazy cartoon tornado almost that is just like spinning around and whatever. So let's just say, for example, that something happens between me and my partner where maybe I feel like they're not meeting me where I need to be met. I'm feeling very unheard. I'm feeling unsupported. And I'm just sitting here by myself, like just stewing. And I'm like, if I really tap in, I can feel that rage monster going. It's, it feels like this white hot anger in my chest. It feels almost like a pain. Like if I keep at it for too long, I'm going to actually feel sick, like physically sick. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very difficult for me to have compassion for this person and to see mm-hmm. their humanity, any of this. I am totally in persecutor mode. I It's very yeah. much like uh, I'm on this pedestal, like yeah. I'm doing all the things right and I've asked for X, Y, Z and it's you're not doing <laughs> Awesome. Putting yourself on a pedestal, sitting up on that perch <laughs> and lecturing people. That was my default. Loved it up there. I know, right? Like we're doing all the things. We're doing all the work on ourselves and trying and communicating. So like, what's this person's problem, right? So- Weaponizing the work. Oh, we'll get into that later. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I love that. That needs to be a hashtag. <laughs> so when I notice I'm there, mm. that is the sign for me to take a pause. <laughs> 
that I know that sometimes I can be compelled in that moment to communicate how I'm feeling because I feel so right in what I'm feeling. But I know that if I do, it's going to come out very attacking, very defensive, very one way, right? And so, so much of the time, this is about taking that pause at first, right? When we realize how much like emotionality we are experiencing and the activation, take the pause, come down. Maybe I will ask for space, right? I don't have the capacity right now to really talk about this. Like, I just need a couple of days and then let's reconnect. And oftentimes I will be doing this internal family systems parts work on myself in wow. the meantime. Yeah, I will. And to, to explain, let's give the quick like definition uh-huh. for folks listening. Haven't heard of this. What, what it, actually just talk through what, what it is mm. that you're doing there. Okay. So in this case, I will, for me, it's often a visualization. I will, so I'm feeling into what's happening as, as I explain those sensations that are associated with my rage monster. Mm-hmm. I will go into the visualization and I will see it. And I, as my grounded adult Janice present day self, will be witnessing that rage monster. And what I have learned is that when I am in rage, that energy, that rage just needs to move. It needs to mm-hmm. just like get out that energy. So I am not going to try and, you know, like placate it, tell it like, calm down, it's okay, like just have compassion that I think is oftentimes our approach, quite frankly. But it's like, if it's there, there's a reason it's there. Let that energy move. I'm doing this internally in a safe space so that I'm not hurting anyone and or, you know, like expressing it towards them. But it gives me a chance to kind of let out whatever it needs to let out. And then when I notice that energy coming down, then I can talk to it from my ground itself and say, hey, like I'm I'm really feeling a lot from you. Like what's going on? Being that compassionate is to really hear from it. Like I feel really encroached on right now. I feel like this person is really stepping across my boundaries and not giving me the space that I need. And we'll talk through it. And oftentimes, the reason why there's so much emotional charge is because it is touching into an old wound of mine that in this case oftentimes reminds me of my childhood when my mom especially sorry mom but like would encroach on on my boundaries all the time i didn't have space for my anger or for just my autonomy mm-hmm. for just having a separate sense of self right and so then i worked through that wounded part after Rage Monster is able to come down and isn't taking up all the space and you know making so much noise, then I can work with the wounded part, that vulnerable part, as IFS calls it, mm-hmm. to let it know, mm, I'm hearing you, like, and like I got you. I'm not gonna allow for your boundaries to be crossed. Because a lot of the times, and going back to what you said, oftentimes it we have to take a look at what we're doing to perpetuate the pattern i'm mm-hmm. like shit i'm allowing my i'm allowing this person to continue this pattern because i'm not being assertive enough or communicating right. look i'm not i don't like this like right so there's both there is both of like working to, through the old trauma wounds looking at how am i perpetuating this pattern and then what is the other person doing that needs to be addressed and communicated to and then let's work through that. You know, you what you're doing, you're doing a lot of that um, 
that is a lot of introspection that you're doing that you're doing yourself as well right it's really cool yeah. to actually do that and then be able to then come back to your partner when you have a deeper understanding of of of, of what it really is and mm-hmm. you know the parts that are old parts of yourselves that you built up to protect yourself when you were small when you're mm-hmm. growing up and may, might not be um as useful for you are as useful for you in the places that you're going or where you're trying to get to and then you can come to your partner and say hey when you did this it made me feel like this and Mm -hmm. after reflection it's because it touches on this that was always part of my life and I can't have it be part of my future because I've I've got to move forward from that pattern and Mm. I've got to leave that in my past and and this is why it's so important to me that we do this and for people listening, like when you get activated, if you are pissed off it, and, it, and it seems like it might be something small or you or you you go for your partner and they look at you like a deer in the headlights and you think, oh, wait a second, maybe, maybe, maybe I've got some me stuff in here. Mm. It's really powerful to do like, yeah. do this practice that Janice is saying, take a second to pull things up from within and we all have these defenses. We all have these characters inside us that play different roles and do different things for us. Yeah. Um, acknowledging and I, them. Mm-hmm. And is, I just wanted to add that, like, I wasn't able to be that grounded adult self um, mm. at first. I needed to do this with my therapist. And she was mm. that person for both me and my parts, my child parts. Yeah. Because yeah. I was so what IFS calls blended with my parts. I was constantly acting from that child place and I couldn't separate. And it was only after working with her for a long time that I was able to build up my own capacity to be that person for my young parts. And so it's absolutely a process. And there is even t- time still where I'm like, oh, I got to bookmark this one and I can't mm-hmm. do this on my own. I'm going to wait till my next therapy session um, yeah. because when we have spent like almost our entire lives if not our whole lives cutting ourselves off from these parts of us it can be so hard to relate to them it can be so we we will just often go back into those protective mechanisms of like oh i don't want to look at that or i don't want to feel what that part is feeling right so it can really take that you know deeply grounded compassionate witness who can be a therapist um to help us in that initial process until we're able to you know really come into a lot more compassion with our parts to you know be able to be that loving attuned presence to them that we may at first because of all of that shame and self-hatred are not able to you are now trained to become a therapist which is so cool you can be (laughs) such an awesome therapist janice really excited for this this um this journey Mm. and what are some of the things that you're learning now you've been you've been in this space for a while but what are some are you learning new things like what are the new things that you're learning as you get officially trained oh my god tim so much of what i'm learning in this first year is like just building on everything that i've already been learning about talking about on the podcast all the stuff on like leading with the body tuning into the body um making space for the grief being the compassionate witness like um bringing so much more awareness to what and in gestalt therapy which is what i'm training in we call it our creative adjustments protector parts in ifs 
bringing so much more awareness to what those protective mechanisms are that often block us from deeper connection and intimacy and just like our own authenticity, right? And from that space of awareness, just being able to make more choice. And you know what? That choice might be, I'm going to stay in this place of protectiveness because I don't Mm -hmm. have the capacity right now to step out of that. But we can perhaps communicate it like we were talking about yesterday, right? When when someone is in that need to just process on their own. But can Mm -hmm. we be aware enough about what's going on with us to communicate that with the other person? And on that note, I would say one of the biggest learnings, at least in the framing of it, has been about being more transparent about my process versus coming from a place of defensiveness, which is something we're like evaluated on as students. And I think we talked about this before, Tim, like some examples of that, where being transparent about my process really means like communicating totally like authentically and honestly, like what is happening for me? internally at the deepest level in terms of how you impact me in terms of Mm -hmm. how I feel right now in relationship to you perhaps right and so sometimes what that could sound like is maybe you know I felt really unheard you know when I was sharing that really important thing with you and I was feeling a lot of distress and I wanted to go to you for support and when I shared you just sort of like I don't know I felt diverted the conversation to something mm-hmm. else and you just started talking about the thing that happened in your day and I I felt really left Dismissed. yeah yeah and I just really wanted to share that with you because I felt really sad and <laughs> to ask the next really uncomfortable question which is how do you feel hearing that you know yeah. <laughs> to receive and then to have the ongoing dialogue or sometimes it's not about conflict and it's about saying you know Tim I really enjoy our conversations like whenever we get into these talks about self-development and therapy and healing and like podcasting it's like you get this look on your face where like your eyes light up and you get this smile that's like so joyful and it really i don't know just makes my heart feel very full i get very excited i feel really inspired and i just feel very like grateful for our time together and our conversations you know instead of saying Hey, it was great chatting with you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Which that. can be a form of defensiveness. Defensiveness yeah. doesn't just mean being like avoiding criticism and getting that kind yeah. of defensive, but it could just be being protective of like, oh, I just, I'm not going to be that yeah. vulnerable with you because yeah. maybe you're going to think it's too much or whatever. Yeah. But then look at the difference in terms of how you probably felt in hearing the two versions. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it really, you know doesn't make room for more of that deeper connection and another example because this is coming to mind I was like you know I I've been in a lot of grief with one of my partners leaving recently and for me to say to that person like I feel really sad like I miss you like I really feel a lot of grief coming up for me a lot of tears I could be in my defensiveness and not say any of that and just play it mm-hmm. cool and be like, I'm fine, right? Because maybe I don't want to put that on him. Maybe I don't yeah. want to feel like I'm burdening him somehow. But one of the biggest things I've learned in the training program 
is to really let go of managing other people's emotions and feelings, which is actually, I think, a very difficult thing for a lot of people who are training to become therapists, because oftentimes yeah. we are in that rescuer role. <laughs> We've played that rescuer yeah. role for our whole yeah. lives. And rather, it's about allowing that person to be in their autonomy and agency of responding however they're going to respond and mm. knowing that it's not about me. It's not personal, right? And that no matter how they reply, even if it is to make me feel like, oh, that was too much, you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel uncomfortable with you sharing so vulnerably that I'm going to be okay, right? But for me to be able to share authentically about how I feel is one of the most freeing experiences that I feel once I can be with that and practice that, I can't really go wrong, you know? Yeah. And the people who are not going to be able to stay in conversation and relationship with me in that way, they will filter out yeah. and it will make more room for those who can. And, you know, like thinking about relationships, because I always think about that with you and Coupley and mm -hmm. all of that, it's like, what really makes for a deep relationship? And what really like creates like intimacy? There's so many aspects of that, of course, all of the things that we can do together and explore together and, and, you know, learn how to communicate together better. And I think part of it though, is also going deep into like, what's actually going on for me and how do you impact me and how do you make me feel? And for me to like share that with you, how can you go any deeper than that? I don't even know, <laughs> you know? I mean, this is true emotional intimacy. And I think like, this is the, I mean, the way you've put this is so beautiful, right? Mm. This is the, the really powerful things in, in friendships, in relationships, in families. If you have the courage to, yeah. to say this stuff, even to your partner, we have people who are together for years and they yeah. never voice how they truly feel or the appreciation that they really have because yeah. they are scared and yes. they're in a committed relationship with this person they still don't say it they say oh well they know how i feel mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. if you push them if you say hey what is what are words from your partner that you'd love to hear well if your partner was to write you a letter what are the things that you would love to hear people want to hear how their partners really feel they want you to put some meaning into it they want it to come mm -hmm. from the heart um and leading with that is beautiful it's amazing yeah. and and yeah. and being able to stay in that stay in that moment uh is very 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 powerful for being able to truly build a bond that will last a lifetime and yeah. will bring a lot of meaning and love to your life so mm -hmm. i i really love how you've put that and this is you know, this is like the deep communication stuff. This is this is advanced. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're like, we don't have those conversations, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You've also probably a little bit got to have some. If you're in a relationship, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the folks that, that are listening to this, they've been in a relationship five or six years, they're not having these kind of conversations. You're gonna you might need to have conversations about your conversations, mm -hmm. and you might need to say, hey. I need to open up. I know it's going to bring us closer together. This is going to create amazing emotional connection. I want you to think about doing the same for the guys, 
we have to dig a little bit <laughs> deeper. We have to crack open the chest of feelings that we stuffed inside. We have to pull some of this stuff out. And it's very brave to do that. Mm. It's not weak to do that. It is mm. brave to do that. And I think a lot of men have, have we have computed that showing our feelings is weakness because sometimes it is. Sometimes it absolutely is. Mm. You get emotional, you are a victim. You're going to more like to be picked on, bullied, attacked. And, uh, and also sometimes like not supported emotionally. And not supported, yeah. Because I, I really want to also emphasize that, like, a lot of times it's like we intellectually know that we, quote unquote, should be more vulnerable and open and communicative. And we try to maybe try to like jump right into doing that with yeah. our partners, especially when yeah. they're asking us, like, I need you to be this, right? Mm -hmm. But oftentimes in that process, we can bypass those protective parts of us right. that have been standing guard for, again, sometimes our yeah. entire lives that learned it was not safe to do this. And so I think that there also has to be this compassion and also tending to, attention to the reasons, the blocks towards just being able to leap right into vulnerability yeah. and openness and stuff like that. Because if we don't do that part and go maybe really slowly into it and feel that there is truly support for mm. those protective parts to, mm, you know, at ease, right? If they don't yeah. feel there is truly support there, they are not going to ease up for good reason, right? And so what supports do we need in order for us to shift a bit, right? For to take maybe just that baby step at first to mm -hmm. try something new, to maybe open up just a crack mm -hmm. and then to see oh okay actually we do have support it wasn't as bad as i thought and now maybe we can open up a little bit more so i think there's like both you know both of those yeah. sides to it um and i just want to say that because i know especially for men and i hear this conversation a lot that it's like a lot of times maybe their partners want them to be more vulnerable but when they are actually vulnerable it's like maybe we as women haven't had the sort of practice in holding space for men in being in their emotions. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we've also learned our own shit about, you know, what patriarchy teaches us. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And and I mean, and there's so many ways that 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 this can get trumped. There's so many ways that this can go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So many ways you can share something with someone and then they they trump you and they say, well, you feel like that, but I feel like this, mm. right? Um, mm -hmm. They can dismiss you, move on not say anything or be like oh now I feel awkward that would be terrible yeah. right mm. you can be shut down in in doing this mm -hmm. I mean you you've got to pick and choose your time you know you've got to make right. sure that the environment is right you can preface it too and say hey I want to say something important mm -hmm. and then and then open the gates try it and see how your partner receives it and then also you can give them feedback and say yes. hey I just tried to do this and I'm I'm feeling like, just like you told us before, I'm feeling like you kind of dismissed me or when I shared mm. this with you, I didn't feel like you took it on. I felt like you trumped me mm. and uh, and that makes me feel a little bit dismissed, yeah, right? Again, I love that. Mm -hmm. super advanced, super advanced relationship <laughs> stuff. That's what we're here for. We're here to be the best. We can do it, yeah. yeah. And, and what else helps you, has helped you to feel supported in maybe being more vulnerable as a man in, in this world that we live in? I think, look, I think there's a, another unfortunate truth 
is mm-hmm. that you can't skip to this stuff as well, right? Even mm-hmm. if you're if you're listening to this and it's like the early stages of your relationship, it's still going to take time because like this is what I was thinking when we were talking to Janice. I was like, you know what? There's a time and a place. Like if a guy starts pulling really big stuff out on like a first date or mm. early on in the relationship, it can feel it can feel a lot. Feel a gotcha. lot. It's yeah. too much yeah. actually. It's going to feel too much. I'm almost certain to say that in most of the times it's going to be too much, right? Mm, mm. Maybe maybe we can debate that. But later on in the relationship, when it's safe, when it's Mm. real, when it's when it when it's serious, as you're looking to deepen it, Mm. it's an it's unfortunate that you're going to have to develop this new skill set. But tough shit, you have to figure (laughs) it out. and I think at that point is when is, is is when you have to start opening, you have to start opening up, otherwise mm. your relationship is not going to deepen. It is if if you're not growing, you're sinking, right? Mm. If you're not if you're not maintaining this relationship as a ship, it's <laughs> it, it's going to sink. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm really hearing for you that like you need that time and like experience, ongoing experience with this person to build enough safety for you to really open up and share like the big stuff. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that, that, and that's, but, but in terms of like, in terms of doing it, in terms of opening up, in terms of being vulnerable, I think it's just like preface, say what, say what you want to say and test and then give Mm. feedback so it's a case of like after you've shared something with someone if it's big if it's something a big feeling or 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 a complaint or or whatever it is as well you've got to say thank you or or Mm. or you've got to give the feedback that you don't you don't feel you didn't feel like your partner really heard you and like the biggest complaint we have from couples janice is communication Mm. people don't feel like they're being listened to and Mm. And so I think like following that little template is a nice way of 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 of, of getting into the practice of opening up. Mm, mm, I love that. Ooh, it's so much. It's so hard, but it's like so worth it to do the work, I feel. Absolutely. Well, Janice, this has been fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a great Thank conversation. You. Thank so you, in closing, what's your year looking like? What is mm. coming up for Janice Ho? Where can the people listening to this find you? When are you taking on clients? <laughs> oh my God, I'm, I won't be taking clients until like at least five years from now, probably. Um, so it's going to be a minute. But um, uh, the season four of the Souls Work podcast is like dropping next week. I think by the time this episode airs, it'll already be out. So you can check that out. We're going to be on YouTube for the first time. So find us there or on any of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review, all the things. And then you can also follow me on my therapist training journey on Instagram at Janice Ho Counseling. And I'm also at Janice Ho Images if you want more of like my personal life, travel pics, and lots of updates on the podcast. So yeah, that's me and would love to connect. Amazing. Janice, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tim.